Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land in Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. Today, we're going to do a little something different. Actually, this week, we will have two In Conversation episodes. Today's will only tangentially relate to Ohio State. We do talk about Chris Spielman a little bit. But tomorrow's episode, assuming the interview happens as scheduled on Monday morning, we will be bringing you an interview with one of my favorite all-time Buckeye characters and players. So stay tuned for that. But on this episode, we are going to talk about an issue that every college sports fan should know about, and that is California Senate Bill 206. We will get into more details in the episode, but this is basically the bill that was unanimously passed with bipartisan support in California state legislature that would make it law that all NCAA student athletes in that state would be able to be compensated for the use of their name, likeness, or skills. What this does not do is require NCAA member institutions to directly pay athletes. Nonetheless, NCAA President Dr. Mark Emmert has written a couple of sternly worded letters to California politicians threatening to kick all 58 NCAA schools in the state out of the organization if California Governor Gavin Newsom signs the bill into law. Now, to break this down with me is Kelsey Trainer. She is the in-house counsel and business and legal affairs associate for Abrams Media, where she also co-writes a column and co-hosts a podcast called Calling Game for the company's website, Mediaite. The column and podcast discuss the intersection of sports and the law, as well as women in sports media and the media's coverage of women's sports. She also just so happens to be a very good friend of mine. In the first few months of their podcast, they've interviewed Ohio State legend Hall of Famer Katie Smith, ESPN's Jay Billis, as well as discussed Jay-Z's partnership with the NFL, Andrew Luck's sudden retirement, and the weird situation surrounding Kent State's cancellation of a women's field hockey game. You should subscribe. It's great. Calling game wherever you get your podcasts. Kelsey and I try to keep our perspectives professional as much as possible, but we are both pretty passionate about this topic. So while we try to stay with objective information and analysis at first, it devolves into us ranting and sharing our opinions fairly quickly. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. So with all of that out of the way, here's my conversation with Kelsey Trainer Esquire. So we're going to talk about this potential law coming out of California that is going to impact student athletes in the NCAA. You and I, I know, both have some very uh, passionate opinions on this topic. So before we get to that, uh, I want to do like the professional thing, me from the journalism side, you from the law side, and talk about the nuts and bolts of everything that's going on with this situation from a legal perspective out in California. And then we can get into going off on this topic as we see fit. So from the legal perspective, this is a bill that has passed the California legislature with unanimous bipartisan consent, and it is now on the desk of Governor Gavin Newsom, who for some reason or another follows me on Twitter, which is kind of weird. Um, And I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what this bill is and is not. So for those of us who are not as intelligent as you are, can you explain what this bill is, what it's trying to do, and also what it's not trying to do? Okay. So (laughs) thank you for the uh, credit of my intelligence. Um, So first of all, this is in short terms, it's called the Fair Pay to Play Act. Um, and like you said, it was uh, it has not been signed into law in California yet. Um, so what this bill does is that it allows college athletes to make money off of the use of their name, 
image, and likeness. What this bill does not do is have the university itself pay college athletes. Because when we get into the debate about whether college athletes can, or should get paid, that's those are the two sides of it. So this is the same thing as if uh, you know uh, the NCAA puts out the college football uh, video games, and they have they're using the quarterback of the top university in California. That player will be able to receive money for the use of his image and likeness in the video game that the NCAA makes money off of. So that's kind of in short what's happening. It also allows uh, college athletes to get to hire attorneys and agents to represent them in acquiring any, any finances for the use of their image or likeness. And so I think that's a really important distinction because People who should know better, and I'm thinking of someone like Andrew Brandt, who I kind of got pissed off with on Twitter this past weekend, who he's a former front office executive in the NFL. He's worked for ESPN. I think he's at Fox now or something. He's talking about, well, there's just not that much money to go around. This has nothing to do with the university's money, although that's a question and topic I want to get to in a second. This has to do with people being paid for things that anyone else that goes to college could be paid for. Kelsey, you were a college athlete. I went to college and watched athletes, but <laughs> as a journalism major, I was an intern at 1460 The Fan in Columbus. If they thought I was good enough, they could have offered me a job to do what I was in school to do for them professionally. As a college athlete, people cannot be paid to say, go do a summer camp at their high school. That would be violating NCAA rules. This is something that they would be allowed to do in this new if this new bill passes so uh, to me i think it's a big difference between the university having to say well we're gonna have to cut a bunch of sports because we can't afford the synchronized swimming team because we have to we would have to pay them that's not what this is all about no it is simply allowing people no in no other area of any other college student is whether it's in theater or in uh science nowhere else is a student limited on what they can make money off of, okay? So if a theater student is the most outstanding theater student in all of California, they can sign an autograph or they can sell uh, sign an autograph and someone can sell it and they won't lose their eligibility to, you know, be the next lead in the next play the next semester. Whereas if you're a college athlete, you are limited. If you sign something and make money off of it, you're losing your eligibility to play your collegiate sport. Yeah. And so what this bill is doing, as we said, it is currently on the desk of Gavin Newsom. The NCAA sent a letter to Newsom, as it had done to the California Assembly back in, in June, saying basically, if you sign this into law, this could uh, put into jeopardy all of the 58 NCAA schools that are in California. It could mean that they would be unable to compete in NCAA competitions and then therefore would be essentially expelled from the organization. From what I understand, the NCAA has pretty much lost every antitrust case that it has been has been brought against them so is this just them trying to flex muscles and prevent it from getting there from a legal perspective what how does the antitrust issue factor into something like this i mean this is it's essentially a threat and you're exactly right the nca the ncaa loses antitrust cases and this is a threat and what the ncaa is trying to say is that well if this is going to happen in california california is going to be have this advantage over all the other, the 49 other states, and therefore 
we might not allow them to compete. And that, that's essentially the threat that they're saying here. And the, the NCAA tries to say that they're at the forefront of this issue. But these laws have been in effect since, I think, 1975. And the NCAA is never leading. They're always following. So California has decided that the, it, to take it out of the hands of the NCAA because it's just at the point where players are getting taken advantage of to an extent in this multi-billion dollar industry. So that that's kind of the the NCAA is threatening it. And I just frankly I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, I, if anyone's followed Gavin Newsom's career from lieutenant governor to governor, he likes making statement laws or bills. I mean, he's he's the one who signed into law the requirement for presidential candidates to disclose however many years of taxes. Um, and that was obviously Gavin Newsom's a Democrat. That was obviously done as a very specific move towards the president. So he is not afraid to make statements with laws that he passes. The interesting thing to me about what you were talking about with what the NCAA is trying to do is in both their letter to the General Assembly in June and this one most recent one to the governor, they said, well, just hold off until we're able to research this and we've organized this blue ribbon panel and we're going to talk about this and figure out what we can do this. But the problem is because they have been so slow to adapt and to change with the times that other organizations and states are being forced to do something because the NCAA just hasn't and just won't. So I, I think it's very disingenuous for for Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA, to say, just hold on, let us handle this, because they have shown nothing in the history of that organization, especially over the past few decades, to indicate that they have the ability or willingness or inclination to actually handle it themselves. It, it is totally disingenuous. And when you look at the contents of the letter, it says this bill would remove the essential element of fairness and equal treatment that forms the bedrock <laughs> of college sports. What is fair and equal about the NCAA profiting billions and billions of dollars off of these athletes who are sacrificing their bodies, their mental, their mental and physical well-being and health to provide the NCAA and the coaches millions and millions of dollars so that they can put brand new locker rooms and, and all those locker rooms and are, that are, they're, they're all they're used for is recruiting. You know, so so what's what is fair and equal about that? It, it, the NCA at this point, it's it's a total sham. And I, the, the number of people that are calling it out, um, calling game, that's a little plug there, um, yeah. is just it's outrageous. And, it, and I'm, I'm actually so excited that California has done this. Yeah. Okay. So we're starting to venture off of the uh, the factual stuff and get into the uh, editorializing part. So that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, because the thing is, is that one of the things that the NCAA is saying is that this could potentially hamper the ability to have fair national competitions because places, let's say like California, like UCLA or USC would have an unfair advantage against schools like Nebraska that doesn't have the media market, which would generate more money and yada, 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 all that stuff. But to say something like that is again, disingenuous at best and a laughable lie at worst because it's not fair now. As you mentioned, all of these this rush of facilities and the the need to build the biggest and best facilities like we see at LSU, I mean, at Ohio State, they have great facilities. They just updated the Woody Hayes Center this year. That's not fair between every program. What they have at Creighton is not going to be the same as what they have at Penn State. What they have at Louisiana Tech is not going to be the same as what they have at Florida State. That's not fair. We're not playing on an equal playing field as it is amongst these schools. 
And it's not going to change that fact. It might change the way that looks, but it, it's also just time to do what's right for the student athletes rather than what's best for the organization itself. And to, and to even to say that the NCAA is based on fairness. And here's the thing, this, the best player plays. Okay. So you have, you have a, a starting five lineup in basketball and the rest of the team is on the bench. Okay. So is that fair? That's an actual question. Is that fair? I thought that was rhetorical. Yeah, that's a question. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that you, you have this there, there's already in line with the NCAA and how the sports is structured. You have players who are worth a certain value and they get more playing time and they in turn will probably get larger sponsorship deals with under this new California law. And that's just how it's that's how it's going to go. It's a fair market. Yeah. And I would personally have no problem if the way that this California bill is set up is that it would not go in effect until 2023, which means that that would give the NCAA the opportunity to come up with rules of their own that would make this possible. And then that would also give California the opportunity to pass additional laws to form things that would meet the requirements of the NCAA. So in my estimation, it seems like. California is actually being about as fair as they possibly can in trying to initiate a conversation with the NCAA to make changes. And I think that's the only way you would have gotten a completely unanimous bill. It passed the Senate in California 39 nothing. It passed the General Assembly 73 nothing. I don't think you're ever going to see something that is completely one-sided, especially in the state of California, where there are some very real political divides there. Um, yeah, and not only that, you had it, you know, it wasn't like California just went out and said athletes should be able to uh, be paid for their the use of their name, image, and likeness. That's not what the bill, that's not only what the bill says. The bill says, okay, they also need to be represented. They also need to be represented by people licensed by the state of California in this specific area. So the, it's not like California has put in protections in place. They've thought about this. There's been a lot, this process of, of getting this bill in and having it being passed has been has been through a lot and there it shows by the content of the bill. The NCAA has mentioned that it's going to create this this dichotomy between the haves and the have-nots, which as I said, when it comes to facilities and the recruiting budgets and other stuff, that's already there. But the NCAA is also dealing right now with a much bigger legal issue in the fact that there are schools and coaches that are currently being investigated by the FBI are being put on trial because coaches along with shoe companies and the quote unquote bag men are essentially paying up to six figures to get recruits to come to their school. So it's not like the opportunity for athletes to be paid to play is new. What this law would really do would necessitate or allow the opportunity for that to come above board. So if someone in Columbus, you know, if Buddy's Carpet Barn in Columbus, Ohio wants to pay Chase Young to do his commercials, that would be okay. And I, like I said, I'm fine if the NCAA wants to put some rules on it. That's what California has done with allowing this grace period to figure things out. If they want to put some rules on it that are common sense and actually benefit the players, I'm fine. So that it's not hampering their academics or their athletics, I'm fine with that. But the fact that they are fighting this as if they are able as if to- it doesn't happen too. I mean, right. I had a conversation with Jay Billis and he said the players they've been, they were getting paid when I played and they're getting paid now. An article just came out the other day about, uh, I think it was like Stephen A. Smith said that he knew two Duke players that were paid over $200,000 to go to Duke. It's happening. Okay. 
We need regul there there needs to be regulation of it so that there's not this black market of it. And there needs to be systems in place, like in California, that it can be above market. I wanted to mention the Jay Billis interview because you had him on on your podcast, Calling Game. You also got him to do a little bit of rapping of the Sugar Hill Gang, which if I wasn't already partial to my ringtone, I would change it to that. <laughs> but yeah, this is a topic that Jay has been very at the forefront of pushing. Yes, absolutely. And his ESPN colleague this week uh, or last week. Tim Tebow went on first take and went on this very passionate rant about how players being paid would rob the NCAA uh, of what college sports means, and it would just essentially make it uh, another version of the NFL. And now, you know, Kelsey, I live in Florida, so with all due respect to Tim Tebow, who is a god to many Florida fans here, obviously there's other Florida State people there, and he obviously became a fan of the Ohio State program when Urban Meyer was in Columbus. But with all due respect, like, that's a bunch of hogwash. I mean, he Tim Tebow comes from a family that was able to provide him money. That is the definition of privilege. And to say somebody should not be paid for what it is they do, that is counter to capitalism, which is what the entire system of the United States is essentially built on. You can argue whether that's good or not on a different podcast that's not for here. But the way that every other aspect of our daily lives is built is to allow the best to be compensated for what they do. The NCAA is the only part of American society and where we say, no, 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 we're going to take the money. You're going to have to be okay with taking less. And I I don't have it off the top of my head. A former Ohio State player tweeted out about the Tim Tebow thing. You know, they talk about the fact that you get a full scholarship, but he said he was told he couldn't be a graphic design major because the classes that he would have had to have taken to be a graphic design major conflicted with his practice schedule. So exactly. while they might give you their this this college education, you can only do it in their confines and in their requirements. So you're missing out on not only the money you could make because of your image and likeness and name and reputation, but you're also missing out on the opportunity to do what you want to do once your college career is over. And the fact and the fact that he says it was a four year scholarship is not accurate because the NCAA, the scholarships are on one year contracts. So you're not guaranteed four years because when you're out there, if you're putting your health on the line, they don't have to renew your scholarship. If you, you know, break a leg and are out for two years, they don't have to do that. And it's a it's an extremely privileged position that Tim Tebow comes from and more power to him if. His, I think his goal was that he wanted to support his team, his college, support sure. your university. And your I your university is getting supported just enough. But Tim, that's the thing. You should be able to choose. If you want to work for free, go ahead and have the rest of the money go to your teammates. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too, is, is that I think a lot of times because we talk so much about college football and men's college basketball specifically, those are the two sports that we talk about when it comes to paying players, people forget that the majority of college scholarships even at the d1 level are not full scholarships if you take a look at a uh, like a softball program and i don't know the exact number off the top of my head but i believe it's like 14 you have 14 scholarships to divvy up over however many players on the team 21 22 so some people might get a full scholarship some people might be on a partial scholarship or a quarter scholarship some might have to combine their athletic scholarship with academic money with financial aid money so not everybody who is getting this educate this quote-unquote four-year education is actually getting a full four-year education for exactly. playing their sport so it's, it's one of the situations where I, I think that for me again editorializing here it's about time that somebody put 
the NCAA on on the defense because what they've been doing is not sustainable for the future. It's going to come to the fact that I think eventually if they don't do something, we could see the end of the NCAA altogether. There's already been a lot of talk about potentially the five power conferences leaving to start their own football league. And, and, and I think that while that seems like a pie in the sky, not really realistic thing, if the NCAA doesn't find a way to address modern concerns, the NCAA could become less and less of an importance when it comes to college athletics. And, and I think it's good that somebody is finally forcing them to make changes because otherwise they certainly would never do it on their own. Yeah, I, I'm in total agreement. Like you're saying, I think it's just changes coming and the NCAA has a choice right now to either start leading the change or continue to be on the defensive and see what happens. Okay. And I did want to mention that th- this is something that does have an application specifically to Ohio state. And as a lot of f- listeners will remember, Chris Spielman, one of the greats of Ohio State football history, sued Ohio State last year, and it, you know because they were continuing to use his image and likeness in advertising. I think it was for a car company or something. Like they used his old um, playing day photos to promote a car company, and he was not compensated. Chris Spielman sued Ohio State, and I think he was part of a group that was doing it, but I, I think he was the only one that was actually ended up being in this um, settlement agreement where he got $140,000, which he then donated back to the university through um, uh, the William White Family Fund, one of his uh, former teammates for ALS, and then his late wife Stephanie Spielman Fund for Breast Cancer Research. He donated it back to the school, but it's it's one of those things where this is not just about current selfish millennial players want it's me first generation no this is something that i think a lot of players feel is an inadequacy in the way that they were treated and currently are treated and i applaud chris spielman i I disagree with a lot of things uh, that chris spielman says um, about college football (laughs) Um, although i love him as an analyst and i love him as a player i applaud him for taking this seriously and putting a big name at least in columbus on the front of this issue Yeah. And I mean, the fact that they settled for that amount. Now, the lawsuit was against Ohio State and uh, its sports marketing agency, IMG. Right. Um, And so then I believe you're correct. It was uh, it turned into a a class lawsuit. So the the settlement is with Ohio State and they paid one hundred and forty thousand dollars. That payment represents the fact that Ohio State used his name, image and likeness to make money off of, and he did not get any of it until now. And I, and it's just, the anytime a lawsuit like this happens, the player comes out on top. It happened with a, a UCLA play, basketball player, too. Oh, Bannon, yeah, at O'Bannon. Yeah, so it, it's just, the law is there. It, to people in the legal field, and it, it's mind-blowing that the NCAA has been allowed to get away with this for so long. Now, I want to do a little bit of a thought exercise here, Kelsey, because like I said earlier, you are far more intelligent than I will ever (laughs) choose to be. But to me, this seems like such an easy thing to do to make it a a benefit to all student athletes, whether you are the big name or not, like you mentioned earlier, when they're only being five starters in basketball, whether you play in a revenue generating sport or not. Currently, players cannot go back to their high school and be paid to work a summer camp. Currently, players cannot go on Instagram and, you know, and have one of those hashtag sponsored ads 
promoting a new athletic clothing line. They can't give private lessons. They can't appear in commercials. They also, like you said, cannot be paid to sign autographs. To me, this makes so much sense. I think swimmers, wrestlers, cross country, those people are going to get some sort of money in a lot of cases, if they want to, to go back and do private lessons to do those camps. But I think the the universities, if these rules pass and these changes are made, can also be a part of this and use it actually as a way to recruit within the rules. Say we are going to have um, for each team, we're going to have autograph sessions. It's five dollars to come and you can get autographs from the whole team. That money goes to the team and then it's divided up to the players. Something as easy as that. Can, is it's actually a way where the university can be proactive about these things and make it so that, yeah, of course, you know, with all due respect to, I, I don't know, just some random, you know, field hockey or, or whatever, you know, that they're not going to get the same amount of money that the football team is going to be paid. Of course, because there's not as many people that want to see that. But there are ways to compensate these players in ways that are within the rules and are logical. And I, I just don't understand the opposition to that. And I also think that by allowing the players from non-revenue generating sports, by allowing them to amplify their sport and themselves, I think yes. that you gain viewership and you gain interest from people who may not necessarily have an interest in field hockey or wrestling or fencing. I was at an event at a Facebook and Instagram and there was a man up there named Miles and he's a professional fencer. Okay, now I can tell you I've never watched fencing in my life. Um, I don't Same. know the rules. I ha I mean, it's swords, so that sounds great. But I have no I've, – I've never had a desire to watch it. But they started showing his Instagram and he started talking his personality and, and everything about himself. I follow him now. I'm following fencing. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not an expert in it, but now I have an interest in it because of this – very specific person who has a personality, who has a stance and who has a, a take on things. And now I'm able to, via social media, I'm able to follow that person. And now guess what? Fencing has gained a, another viewer. And, and it just makes sense for, you know, football and basketball, they'll always have the viewers, but you can amplify these other sports by utilizing social media, utilizing campaigns, uh, linking uh, field hockey players with brands that are selling their equipment or brands that are in alignment with their values. It, it just makes sense for everyone around. And you can turn non-revenue generating sports into revenue generating sports. Yeah, one of the things that Ohio State promotes a lot is this idea of brand you, and specifically football. They want you to come in as a player and to leave as a brand. They do videos of promoting the players and showing them with their helmet off so you get to know the players. And obviously, Ohio State football has that money. Fencing, does not. But when you have the opportunity to, to promote these athletes as more than just the number on the back of their jersey and to promote them as individuals, that is a way to push fans to become invested not only in the team, but in those players. And like you said, it's another way to generate more money. So I, I think you and I, shockingly, we are in agreement here. <laughs> um, and uh, it doesn't seem like this is the tide is turning against California and the people who think that players should be able to be compensated for their image and likeness. Uh, is it going to happen quickly? I mean, the California law wouldn't take effect until 2023, as we said, but I just don't see a situation in which the next decade, you know, a decade from now, um, players aren't getting some sort of financial compensation 
for their skills, ability, and notoriety. Yeah, we're not going backwards. And I mean, when you have LeBron James weighing in on this in favor of, of paying college athletes and in favor of them being allowed to make money off of the use of their name and image and likeness, I mean, there's just, there's no going back. He's got Taco Tuesday. Um, <laughs> well, he lost. That, I wanted to mention those things here. <laughs> to be quick. determined. To be determined. <laughs> so I wanted to mention that since you are um, uh, my only lawyer friend. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So there were two situations in when the U.S. Department of Trademark and whatever it's called um, came down against came down against yeah, yeah. two of Ohio's most favorite institutions, Ohio State and LeBron James. Ohio State did not get the trademark for the and LeBron James did not get the trademark for Taco Tuesday. Real quick, can you just explain why it was even possible for Ohio State to try to trademark the most common word in the English language and why LeBron was able to even try to copyright a word, talk, you know, a phrase Taco Tuesday, which is already copyrighted in other situations? Yeah, so I mean, anybody can try. So let's throw that out there first. I can go on and file a, a application for a trademark trademark right now for anything that I want and pay two hundred and something dollars, and it'll get rejected. Um, <laughs> now, the Ohio State University and uh, Taco Tuesday. When you trademark something, you have to trademark it in connection with goods and services. So Taco Tuesday, if LeBron James is trying to trademark it in connection with brands uh with or with certain apparel or with entertainment services there are there's a possibility of a scenario where that could have acquired distinctiveness where okay taco tuesday means what it means but maybe at some point people have started associating it with lebron james the answer the answer to that is that no uh they have not started associating taco tuesday with lebron james and i don't think that they will i don't think that he will ever be how dare you, Kelsey? Well, I mean, I've been doing Taco Tuesday for years, so LeBron's got nothing on it. Um, and the, I just, I don't really have a response for the Ohio State University. Kelsey, Kelsey our friendship is on, stuff. our friendship is on rocky ground right now, Kelsey, because of the Taco <laughs> Tuesday thing. Don't go over the line with talking about the. The Ohio State University. Um, um, uh, huge respect for the Ohio State University, but, uh. It's not going to happen. Right. And I think we all kind of knew that. But like you said, anybody can do this. It doesn't hurt to pay the 250 bucks to put in the application. And I think the thing that's interesting with Ohio State is that not only are they already selling T-shirts with the on the front of them, other people are selling them and everyone knows what that means. And I think that's the interesting part about that is that you can go down to any knockoff t-shirt shop in Columbus and get a scarlet and gray shirt that just says the, and everybody knows that that's talking about the from the Ohio State University. So that's where I thought they might actually have an opportunity is because other people are are profiting off of, ironically enough, uh, Ohio State's image and likeness uh, because it is such a common word. Um, so yeah, that's the I mean, you part. can... You can use it and, you know, if you can trademark, try to trademark it that it's written a certain way or it's on a certain color t- uh, background or it's, you know, in this certain font. Um, and there is a way that when your uh, when your appeal or when your trademark is denied, you can appeal it. You can put it on a supplemental register that it will after it's used um, in commerce for five years, um, you can try to say that it's gained secondary meaning. Um, but that that. I don't think that'll happen yet. 
Well, and that's what the that's, Ohio State University. Well, that's actually what when this originally came out, the the lawyer in charge of this process for Ohio State actually said. He said, "We know we're going to lose. This is the beginning of a process for us, and we know we're going to lose in this situation because we wrote." our application to be as broad as humanly possible, because eventually we are going to want to pare this down to more specific terms that we think are actually applicable to our situation. So this is not necessarily when you see, oh, the trademark and patent office, you know, shut down Ohio State, how embarrassing, a big loss for the Buckeyes. It, I mean, okay, it's a strategy. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it it's is a strategy absolutely- and it takes years and years, but you have to do it or if you're not doing your due diligence and, uh, you know, as the trademark attorney for the Ohio State University, you got to do it. You got you got to get those billable hours. <laughs> well, I'm sure they're in house. So. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> All right. Well, Kelsey, thank you so much. I would like if if in the future there are legal issues that are just too high minded for us plebeians down here in Buckeye Nation to understand, I would like to to have you explain those to us. Can you do that in the future for me? I am happy to come on whenever you ask. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land in conversation. Thanks to LGHL's new official legal expert, apparently, Kelsey Trainer. You can follow her on Twitter at ktrain underscore 11, and you can follow Calling Game at Calling Game 1. If you are finding this podcast on the website, make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts in order to get all of the unparalleled podcast coverage this season. I promise you will not find an Ohio State podcast with as much breadth and variety of voices, topics, and perspectives anywhere else. Don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33, and you can find me on Twitter at BWWMATT. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon, and go Bucks.